Hello and welcome to another installment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Echizadoku, and Michael Dryden. This week, and with the sleep fest as the international break, we take a look at some of the worst Premier League sides in history and discuss whether disastrous flops are becoming more and more common. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Dryden, how you doing? You're not bad. Is it sleep fest or snooze fest? Is that snooze fest? That's what, I, that's what, that's what I'm laughing at. <laughs> that's, that's definitely wrong, first of all. <laughs> sleep fest. Oh, man, what a sleep fest, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, the international break, as you described, is definitely a snooze fest. So, um, <laughs> so we'll get on to why we're doing this episode, but it is to avoid talking about the international teams because... Um, you know, there's a lot of games this week where, or yeah, this weekend where like France played played Kazakhstan, Belgium played Estonia, we played Albania, uh, who I thought would be better than what they were, and then we've got San Marino on what Tuesday, so or tomorrow, so yeah, there's not loads to talk about there. But aside from that, not bad. Still in the northeast, but coming back to London on on Tuesday, so yeah, not not much, to, not much to report. Um, looking forward to leave football come back on. Uh, Sunderland are playing Arsenal in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, which I mentioned last time. And that is getting ever closer. 21st of December, which is still far off, but um, getting those arrangements in, hoping to get tickets soon. So, yeah, eagerly awaiting that. Um, but, yeah, how are you doing, Aches? Yeah, I'm good. I've been spreading the word of Y Football um, to, anyone that's willing to yeah, anyone that's willing to listen. Uh, churches, news agents, <laughs> gyms, <laughs> sports shops, yeah, news agents, betting shops, you know, schools, the, 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 whole, bang, the whole shebang. And uh, my current company that I do, because believe it or not, to anyone listening, I don't actually podcast full time. I have uh, another mm. career, which is hard to believe. Some people call me the new Jeff Stellan. So <laughs> it's one of those ones. That, uh, aside from nice. the podcast, I actually do have a day-to-day job and I've been telling people about the podcast there. I've been getting some uh, real good feedback. Hopefully I have some new listeners. Oh, they're all liars. And they're telling me that they're listening to it and they're actually not. So mm. you know, if they are listening to this, know that I'm always watching and I'm always listening. So I know what you guys are up to. It's kind of like a empty threat that one. But you apart be, from you that, will be tested. You will be. Yeah, you'll be tested. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, no, I'm, I'm well. Obviously, uh, Emma Smith Rowe made his England debut. I can't even remember if I brought up on this pod, but I told you. I, I think personally that my friends in the summer, I tried to put a bet on that he'd make his England debut by May. No mm. one was willing to take the bet on, but they all just laughed at me. So they were like, "Oh, you're you're an idiot," but we won't take we won't do the bet. Obviously, since he got called up and made his debut, I've been walking like a proud man, mm. dropping pictures yep. in the group chat and stuff. I saw Conor Gallagher actually got called up today, which is also yep. quite due. Played very well so far this season. Mm-hmm. You're right about the international ball. Very very boring. I think Nigeria beat Liberia with two penalties, which is like, why do you care? Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah, the France, the France, France result as well was, was pretty mad, but not that interesting. So, I think, yeah, turning towards some of the worst sides in Premier League history, I'm quite excited. <laughs> I'm quite excited for this one because one of my favourite teams has been been brought up, um, which should be good to talk about. So, uh, why are we looking into this episode, Ryan? Uh, yeah, firstly, as we've mentioned a couple of times, international football is drab, so we're going to avoid that. Uh, another reason is because we haven't really done like a flashback episode, uh, flashback into the past. For a while, I think a good Muller back in August was the last time we did something like that, and that's you know mm. a while ago. So just going to mix mix it up in that regard. Um, this is a suggestion by you actually to look at the worst of Premier League teams. Probably aware that I've got a lot of expertise in this field uh, as a Sunderland fan. Um, but aside from that, Norwich and Newcastle are currently sitting. Um, 
well, both 19, uh, 20th and 19th, um, on five points after 11 games, which I'm going to come on to mention this later on. Um, Sunderland, uh, when I pulled the notes, notes together, I'm obviously fully aware of the of the 15 point season that we had. We were on 11 points, sorry, five points after 11 games as well, which is interesting. Um, obviously, it depends on the fixtures. It's very subjective, but it's just interesting that they're on such a low tally. Newcastle haven't won a game yet, which I actually didn't even realise <laughs> until we did this. Um, I think with, amid the hysteria with all like the the takeover and stuff, I hadn't kind of fully um, appreciated that. Um, Norwich are uh, rooted 20th um, and could be facing a second relegation in only a few seasons. Um, they seem to be the whipping boys, for <laughs> the cont- um, continuous whipping boys of the Premier League. Um, so we'll take a look at uh, the seven worst sides. I was going to do the top 10, but that would mean mentioning Sunderland on three separate occasions, which I'm refusing to do. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> we will look at the top seven, but we'll do uh, a deep dive on the worst three. Yeah, I think as well, like extending it to the top 10 teams is just, it's overkill. There, there are a lot of men and women in this country that day and night they go to bed and, you know, they, they have concerns and worries and issues. And one of them is definitely when your side is dropping like 11 points in the Premier League season. Like you, you'll be branded with that forever. All of the times you pipe up in a group chat, you laugh at someone's haircut. You mentioned something about someone else. You're getting ripped. I, 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 when you're dropping 11 points, when you're dropping like teen total of points, you just have to be quiet. You have to be humbled. You're forever humbled. It doesn't really matter whatever happens or whatever you do. Like, that's just a big L. Your, your best hope is that someone drops like a nine-pointer for the season and, you know, then they can be the new laughing stock. But yeah, um, some of the sides in here, I do think we, we, we spared their blushes by just focusing on a few because... Yeah, no one, no one needs reminding, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so that's definitely one of those. Norwich is an interesting one to kind of uh, mention. They just confirmed Dean Smith as their yeah. manager, which should be interesting because they've been getting sent to the chip shop and back. They did beat Brentford, to be fair, last time mm. out 2-1, but I've watched Norwich a few times and they've been looking porous. It's how I describe <laughs> Norwich. They've been looking real, real porous. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we can turn it around. Um, but yeah, that that um, waits to be seen. Yeah, we talked about an episode not too long ago. Is it Jason Cundy on Talksport? We, we mentioned he was saying that it's not Norwich not giving themselves a, a you know a good chance by not spending um, several millions when they come up. Um, actually, they have brought in quite a few players. I think Josh Sargent came in, um, Lee's Mello came in um, from the French league. They also signed uh, Rashika. As well, and they've got Billy Gilmore on loan. So players have came in, it's just they haven't spent loads and loads of cash, which um, is a theme of what we're about to talk about. So, looking at the top seven worst Premier League teams in order, so I'll go from from seven. I'll just do the year in which they were relegated um, and the points. So number seven is Sheffield United, twenty twenty one, with twenty three points. Norwich City and twenty twenty at number six with twenty one points. Number five on the list, uh, their first appearance in this list. Um, is Sunderland in 2003 with 19 points. Um, number four, Aston Villa, uh, 2016 um, with 17 points. Huddersfield Town got a measly 16 points um, in, the two, in, in 2019, in the 18-19 season. Um, Sunderland again, uh, who did have the record um, in 2006, uh, managed to amass 15 points and Derby County currently hold the record Um been relegated in 2008 with 11 points 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a miserable list to read out. I think going back to your point on Jason Cundy, I think um, the point about Norwich not investing is irrelevant because, yeah, I think Jason Cundy's opinion is pretty irrelevant. So it's one of those <laughs> where like, I, I, my dad like quite likes listening to talk sport. I don't know what slot he has, but he, if you want to listen to garbage like minute per minute, I don't know what slot he does. I think he does like one of the evening slots. Yeah, I think he he's, does. Yeah. He's, he's on methane. That guy is just <laughs> nonsense. So I'm not surprised either about Norwich because honestly, if I asked his opinion on like anything football related, it's normally useless anyway. So that's Jason Cundy. Yeah, that list is um <laughs> uh quite mad. Some of the some of the some of the teams in there I remember quite well. I remember that Villa team um well obviously Huddersfield which which we're gonna discuss later on. Um, so Sunderland man appearing twice mm. on the list is quite bad, but you know what? <laughs> you, you know what? These th- these things happen. They do. They yeah, they do. I mean, Sunderland's appearances came quite long ago. So the last one was in two thousand six. So you know, it's only like fifteen years ago. So the pain has somewhat healed. Um, but it's just it's one of those things that when you're getting that getting beat that much, like you just know quite soon to the season that your season's pre- pretty much over before it started. You've been mm. excited for this all summer, and then basically it's over. So it's just a bit like, what's the point, man? Like you're basically having to wait until the end of the season to then finally get your club back because <laughs> you can still engage mm. with that. Obviously, go to games, but like it's just not fun. Um, it's just just awful. But um, of that seven, um, four of them have come in the previous five seasons, which you know we'll talk about it later on, but could suggest um, a growing trend. Um, the ninth lowest tally, actually, looking at the, well, thinking about the top 10, is held by Graham Taylor's Watford. And I, I mentioned that because that was in um, 2000 when they were relegated with that points total. That was 24 points um, back in the day. Um, we were quite young when it happened, but I remember referring to that type of relegation as like doing a Watford for a long time. Because actually, there's quite, when you look at that list, there has been has been held by teams for quite a long time. I mean, Derby have held that record for 13 years that might be because it's so bad it might never get broken because <laughs> their goal difference is minus 69 which is pretty abysmal if you think that there's 38 games in the season they've almost had minus two goal difference on average across every game <laughs> it's just it's just absolutely no, bonkers um yeah that Watford team Elton John spent 3.7 million in total which at the time was still not probably a lot I remember Heide Hellickerson was brought in um but he actually actually went on to spend six years at Watford um I mentioned that as well because similarly to Sunderland, we'll come on to talk about. We spent like five million. It just it does re- it does reflect in how much clubs are spending, what the transfer activity is, and that often results in what the score looks like when they go into the league. And that often is a big determiner of whether or not they're going to end up with this, one of these flop seasons or have a good year or just go down marginally. Um, Ipswich Town, Derby County, Huddersfield Town, and Sheffield United actually all hold the record for the earliest relegations after 32 games, which I thought was interesting because that wasn't um, that Derby weren't just there on their own, <laughs> effectively, mm. or, or that someone's name was not on that list, which um, is always great. And then finally, on that, just on on that overall list, just an honourable mention to Tony Pulis of Stoke City. Um, they're not on the list of the top seven, top ten. I'm not sure if Stoke were even on any top twenty list. Um, but he played some pretty poor ball. So I thought when we're talking, looking, at the, looking at the worst teams in Premier League history, we're focusing on points. However, if we were focusing on other things, you could argue that it could be Mr. Tony Pulis and his very adventurous Stoke City team. Why Why does 
Liam Delap, Roy Delap's son have so much tech. Because it's it's when <laughs> Rory Delap just epitomizes that time under Stoke when he's just launching the ball into oh, the box. I didn't I didn't realize that was his uh, his son. Is that the Man City forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liam Delap is Roy Delap's son. Now I'm googling that because I'm ninety nine percent certain that that's his dad. Yeah, it's not a very common surname. So uh, <laughs> no, I said that with such confidence, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Rory Delap's son is Liam Delap, the City striker. Good. The integrity of this podcast has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. That would have got edited out so quickly. But yeah, how come? <laughs> how can? How can? How can? Yeah, Liam Delap have so much tech, but yeah, Rory Delap was. I used to hate it when you'd see him drying the ball. And he takes his steps yeah. back and he launches it. Yeah, they were. Yeah, cold, wet, and windy on a night on Stoke on a Tuesday, wherever it was, it was just. Yeah, it was a mad time. It's interesting. Um, a lot of these teams and the aim. I think it survival in the Premier League is very difficult I mean we were talking about how brilliant Brentford were for four weeks and they've now lost the next three or so and they're Mm. creeping towards the bottom and it is really hard I think to stay there even if some of these point tallies come in just to stay there for two or three years is is really really difficult I think Villa are the only side I'm looking at here that have been in the well no because they just got promoted not that long ago all of these sides really haven't been able to stay in the Prem before Sunderland got relegated for consistent periods of time. I think Sunderland mm. had a decade spell or longer than that, actually. But then after that, it's quite difficult, which just shows you how hard it is. Not only to get enough points to stay up, but to consistently stay up. You know, you're not seeing Arsenal at the bottom and Man United. You're seeing normally the same usual suspects. And sooner rather than later, you know, it catches up with you and then you end up pulling in 17 points. What are Villa doing? So <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, 100%. Um and, you know, take, go back to Jason Cundy, you know, like these clubs come up. It's usually a promoted team. That's all, always a theme is uh, because if they've been in the league for a long time, there's a reason that means they've been um, surviving the drop for a long time. That Their squad should seemingly have been good enough in that time. And so you'd think they wouldn't flop too much. I mean, Sheffield United did really well for a season, went back down, but were fairly newly uh, new to the league. Um, but, you know, if you do spend loads of money, you give yourself a chance. I mean, Villa did that. But the problem is when it goes wrong, the harder you fall, i.e. Sunderland, who were in the league for 10 years. But, you know, we we didn't spend money and then we ended up on the lowest point total, total <laughs> end up with the yeah. lowest points total in um, history for a while. Then we did spend money um, under a new ownership. We, yeah, we stayed in the league for a while, but now we're in League One. So it's just such a gambling act because I, that's why I don't agree with Jason Cundy because you can end up like Sunderland so easily um, or you can end up out, out of business. So end up with like Derby County, you're currently still on like, what, five points? So it's just, it's mad. Um, but we'll move on to um, Huddersfield Town now. So we're going to do the, the, basically the three, two and one of the worst Premier League teams. We'll start with Huddersfield Town, which wasn't too long ago. Um, they were relegated in, in 2019 um, with 16 points, goal difference of minus 54. <laughs> um, they promoted to the Premier League in, in 2017 um, under David Wagner. So this wasn't them going up and coming straight back down like it was with Sunderland and Derby. Um, Wagner had previously been at Borussia Dortmund 2. Um, and was you know heralded as, as being a progressive manager who favoured kind of the Gengen Preston style uh, of tactical uh, play. They beat Yap Stams ready in four three on penalties after a nil nil draw at Wembley in the playoff final. Having finished, I finished fifth is one thing, um, but with a negative goal difference, <laughs> still getting promoted. I find that mad. It has to be one of the first times that's ever happened. Um, it is the first time. I remember oh, when it, it happened at the time. Yeah, it's, it's the first time. Again, the integrity pod is, uh, you know, the, the integrity of the pod is literally based off that one fact. But I am 99.9% <laughs> certain 
that that is the case. Uh, if any Huddersfield fans want to confirm that, then you're more than welcome. Yeah, that'd be great because that would give us a huge boost in terms of integrity because um, it's been lacking in previous pods. Um, so yeah, Huddersfield Town stayed up against the odds in that first season uh, back. So in the 2018, they managed to stay up. Um, they had the likes of Stephen, uh, Steve Mooney, Colin Quiener, uh, Raheem Van La Parra leading the attack. Um, they had Alex Pritchard in that team, which was interesting for me to see because they, he now plays for Sunderland and um, spent a long time out with injury. Uh, Tom Ince was also in that, in, uh, that Huddersfield side at that time. He is still at Stoke. He's been there for quite a while, um, but was once seen as a major prospect coming through, as was, as was Alex Pritchard um, as well. Came through with um, with Harry Kane and co in that Spurs team under um, Pochettino. Um, aside from those players, you're scanning through their squad at that time. I won't go through the whole full 25 squad, man squad, uh, but there aren't too many that are still playing in the Premier League. And that would be a theme with, you know, Sutherland and Derby as well. You know, you're not going to, Finish, you're not going to be in a team where it finishes on 11 points and then you know end up playing in Champions League next season, are you? Um, so <laughs> Aaron Moy is at Brighton. Um, he's a very good player, as we all know. He was on loan um, at Huddersfield initially and then um, signed permanently. And Zanka, who's Jorgensen, I don't know why he's called Zanka, but he's at Brentford currently. So he's currently in the Premier League. Aside from that, I didn't recognise any players in the squad that are still in the top flight, which suggests it wasn't potentially fit for purpose, although they could have went abroad. Um, so yeah, the following season, um, Wagner and Co. tried to add a bit of firepower. Um, they were the league's lowest scorers. They clearly hadn't scored too many in the championship either, hence the minus two goal difference. Um, so they tried to add a bit of striking uh, intent there. They signed um, Isaac Mbenza, who is now at Qatar Sports Club. So <laughs> you can see how far he's fallen. Okay. He's fallen. Adama uh, Diakabi, who is now at Amiens. Um, and Ramadan Sobi, who is now at Pyramids Football Club, interesting name, in, in Egypt. Um, so clearly they all failed. The expectations have seemingly fallen off since being there. Um, what I would say is they, they brought in quite a lot of loans across those years, which perhaps didn't help when it came uh, to trying to solidify a team in the Premier League. Uh, perhaps they just didn't have the cash for it. Um, even though I think Aaron Moy was like 10, 15 million. Um, in the promotion campaign. I remember seeing Izzy Brown was there, did really well. Casey Palmer was also there and Casey Palmer stayed on loan for the survival campaign. Moy was initially on loan. I uh, wonder if that caught up with them. Perhaps you do get a lot of promoted teams that have loan players in there. Um, ben White was on loan at Leeds, as was um, Jack Harrison. But uh, they clearly had the cash to make. I think they've made Harrison permanent now and brought the reinforcements in, whereas Huddersfield seemingly didn't have that and it caught up with them quite quickly. Um, Wagner departed in January 2019 and was eventually replaced by Jan Seewert, who, um, whose time in charge never really took off. Um, Huddersfield finished the season on 16 points, uh, with Carlin Grant as the top goal scorer with four goals despite only signing in January. Then stood up on three wins, seven draws, and 28 defeats. Overall, to be honest, I, I just kind of hadn't really thought this with Huddersfield has been in that list, really. Just Maybe it was quite a forgettable season from them, which clearly it was from their own point of view. Um, but yeah, interesting to see them there. Yeah, they were, they were a pretty boring side. They didn't really offer a great deal. The integrity of the pod has gone, uh, unfortunately, oh. because Aaron Moy no longer plays at Brighton. He plays uh, yeah, he plays at Shanghai Port. Ah. Yeah. Because basically, I think it's that he's an Australian citizen. So I think the Chinese league, because of like it being in Oceania, he can move. You know how they have tax on foreign players of like a hundred percent now. I think because he's in Oceania, he can just he can play normally. So he's mm. essentially treated as a local player, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, not local, but regional player, I suppose. 
So yeah, he moved there like last year. Uh-huh. I remember Aaron Moy. I quite liked it. I thought he was decent. One of those one of those players that looked like he would fit in at a club like Brighton. Um, wouldn't particularly play at a much higher level. But yeah, he he was all right. I mean, there's just there's just not much to add. I liked Wagner. I thought he was a nice enough character, but find Huddersfield quite drab, quite boring. Um, I'm I'm always rooting for the new clubs that do come up. Obviously, Huddersfield never been in the Premier League before. Um, mm. My only interaction actually with Huddersfield fans is when I went to watch West Ham Huddersfield years ago, and um, these two West Ham fans told me that they the Huddersfield fans sorry told me about how expensive the day was going to be and how excited they were because it was Monday Night Football, and they ended up getting in a fight with West Ham fans outside the ground and weren't allowed in. So mm. that was <laughs> that was mad. They told me, "Oh, we got the train at two, like we're buzzing," and I was just thinking, all that money gone to waste. And that's all I have to add on Huddersfield. Looking at that team, yeah, Tom Ince, Alex Pritchard, um, it's just quite unforgettable. And I think, yeah, there's just there's just it's one of those ones where these teams sometimes come up for one or two seasons and they literally never come back, or they don't come back for a very long mm. period of time. I feel like that could definitely be a club like Huddersfield. Yeah, they've struggled quite a lot in the Championship, haven't they? Um, yeah, they have. Uh, had the Cowley brothers in and uh, haven't done too well. Um, but yeah, we'll move on um, to number two, the second lowest points tally uh, in Premier League history, which is Sunderland. Um, 15 points overall that season, which was a record at the time. Goldman's of minus 43, which is better than the others on the list, to be honest. Um, so we weren't conceding too many goals, just weren't winning any games, which isn't great. Um so, I mean, Huddersfield were bad, but they never actually held the lowest points records. Um, Wagner's still, he's still, he's at young boys now. His reputation's somewhat intact. Um, it seems like it's possibly a case of poor squad and, or just poor, a, a poor squad that perhaps came up too early, finished fifth <laughs> in the championship. Um, they overachieved, perhaps. And then, obviously, recruitment on the back of that is, is largely the reason why. When you're a promoted team and you get recruitment wrong, you are going to get relegated. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, there's literally no two ways about it. Um so Sunderland, albeit only for two seasons, um, they they held the record with the lowest ever, 15, um, which is a bit of a shame for me because it came after one of my favourite seasons as a fan. Um, and as a Sunderland fan, you're likely to recount the, the promotion wins. You know, we've won in my lifetime, I think, the, the championship, I think, three times. Um, one of them was when I was very young. We actually got we actually won the league with 105 points, which is the second highest ever uh, tally uh, with Kevin Phillips and co um now Quinn all the boys. Um <laughs> and then, so we you know we we won the league um under Mick McCarthy the season season before we went up. Um we brought in Dean Whitehead on free from Oxford. So Mick McCarthy brought in some um some basically some good um good valued signings. Uh, we've got Stephen Elliott in on a free from Man City, which shows how far they've come when they they have Stephen Elliott within their ranks. Uh, and Danny Collins um, all three of those players I mentioned, they spent you know a lot of their careers playing in the Premier League. So these are, these are good value signings. You know, we went slashing the cash, but we're bringing in shrewd um, players. Um, and that side that time, the one that went up and the one that was in the Premier League, including one of my favourite SAFC players of all time, which is Julio Walker, absolute legend. He then went to Middlesbrough after the flop, which is one of the symptoms or results of flopping that badly. Is that if you've got any players that were you would like re- remotely liked, chances are they're going to go. It's going to be a big clear out. Um, but the hope from that promotion was largely short-lived. Uh, at the time when we went up under Bit McCarthy and had that flop season, um, we were still owned by Sir Bob Murray. Um, and the transfer key, as I mentioned before, was just five million. I think we spent roughly five point five million. That's according to transfermarket.com for any haters out there that want to question the integrity of this podcast, even though I almost just set it on <laughs> I almost just set it on fire on the RMOI comment. Um 
<laughs> we biggest fear we brought in John Stead for two point five million from Blackburn. He was such a flop. Like he was just he was so bad. Man. I think he ended up playing for Notts County in League Two. I remember he was playing alongside. I think it's quite old at the time, but he ended up playing alongside Shola Ramiobi for Notts County in League Two. <laughs> that's how uh, that's how much he ended up falling off. Um, we signed Kelvin Davis for one point seven million and Andy Gray for one million. They're the only really three notes notable. Signings. Daryl Murphy actually we signed for 100k, who ended up having quite a good career. Um, he stayed for us for a while after, was instrumental in Roy Keane's promotion campaign. But the signings weren't that good. I mean, John stayed for he was doing well for Blackburn in um in the championship at the time, I believe, or League One when they were down there. Um, and so it's not like a you know it wasn't a ridiculous signing. You know, someone who's done well at a previous club got him in there for 2.5 million. He was awful. He was absolutely shambolic. <laughs> Um, Justin Hoyt came in on a free. He scored against Newcastle that season. Uh, he used to play for Arsenal. Alan Stubbs came in on a free, and Rory Delap. Alan Stubbs. <laughs> Rory Delap. Who didn't? I don't, Rory Delap did not do many long throws for Sunderland, so I was completely unaware of that until he joined for Stoke. Um, we also signed Anthony Letalic. Uh, he came in for Liverpool. I think we all thought that was going to be a kind of the uh, jewel in the crown of the signings that summer. It didn't really work out. Um, we let so Marcus Stewart uh, was our top scorer with seventeen goals in the promotion win and then he was just allowed to leave on a free went to Charlton always a little bit confused as to why that was um, you'd think yeah fair enough buy a new striker if you don't think he's good enough but you think you'd just keep him around <laughs> he's clearly got a bit mm, of uh, uh, technical ability uh, they all flopped all the signs I mentioned um, as did Sunderland we first collected a point in game week 7 away to Wigan um, did win on game week 8 and then drew again in game week 9 so a little bit of hope there so, as I mentioned earlier, we were actually on five points as of game week 11, just like Norwich and Newcastle United currently are in the Premier League. Um, I attended my first ever time we had derby that season where we lost 4-1 to Newcastle. As I said, Hoyt scored for Sunderland. We actually took the lead with that goal. Um, but Shearer scored a penalty and we lost 4-1. It was pretty... That was the point when the gulf between the two clubs was so bad and it was, it was so hurtful. And that's one of the reasons I've taken this Newcastle takeover so badly is that it's going to come back to those times and I really just don't want it to happen. Um, <laughs> All roads lead back to the Newcastle takeover. <laughs> you can be you can be talking about you can be talking about the prawn sandwich you had at lunch and you're still going to be talking about Newcastle's takeover. One hundred percent. So yeah, so we finished on fifteen points, three wins, six draws, and twenty nine defeats. I mean, that is that is damaging, to be fair. That's actually the year where Diaby broke his ankle at the Stadium mm. of Light uh, from a challenge from Dan Smith, which Wenger called one of the worst tackles he's ever seen. I think Dan Smith was given a yellow card. Um, yeah, I think we were winning maybe 1 or 2 nil in the 90th minute, maybe 93rd mm. minute. Dan Smith decides to absolutely tear through DRB and he was never the same he always cites that challenge as um, what destabilised his career mm. I think there was some sort of a balance issue which he could never quite get right which led to him overcompensating Yeah, and so I was always suffering from uh, niggling injuries everywhere and he got listed unfortunately as an injury prone player which is a shame because he was immensely talented I wonder with these wins right um, that these fans have is what are the home attendances like? And also, like, how much is a win worth it to you? Like, three wins, man. Like, mm. and the thing is with those three wins, you got to be thinking to yourself, is it? Because you support your teams through thick and thin, however, but when you're shelling out, even back then, and I know that Sunderland tickets would be cheaper than London yeah. ones, you're still paying, mo- you're still paying mm. money. And when, you pay, when, when you're seeing three wins and 29 defeats, it's like, fucking hell, like, what are you... 
where's the encouragement? I think that's a lot of the time, right? I think there are teams that don't do very well. But there's like, where's the incentive? If you're getting banged up every week, you're a bit like, yeah, you know, mm. well, I, I don't know if this is going to be, this is going to be the one. Uh, Norwich, to a degree, have some entertaining games now. It's just that they're not winning. So I guess I could be like, oh, well, the, the football's not actually that that dire. But when it's not great ball and you're not winning, you, you must be sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, this isn't for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I was actually doing this, I didn't put it in my notes, but I was actually surprised by how the attendance seems to stay quite high. I mean, Derby, I think looking at their last game of the season in their 11-point uh, season, has something like plus, plus 30,000 fans there, um, which I thought was pretty good. I mean, you know, you've just... You're about to get the lowest points. At that point, you are definitely getting the lowest points total. <laughs> doesn't matter if it's 11, 12 or 14. Um, you are going to get the lowest. And there's still 30,000 there. Um, but as you said, on the on the attendance cost, still is a big cost. I mean, yeah, some of them tickets might even currently be 25 quid. If you're taking your partner and two kids there and you're going for food before and whatever, it's just, it's a big outlay. Um, so it's definitely something that to be considered. And yeah, how much is a win worth? Um, that game, or, that's what I meant before, like the season's finished for you before it's finished it's it's so soul destroying because you just all feel like you haven't even got a like a team to support <laughs> because what are you what are you cheering mm. for what's a win going to do you're already going to go down so it would be mad and that's this is coming from a fan of a team that committed who managed to pull off countless uh, great escapes in the premier league um but <laughs> that season we just knew uh, i mean that was before the great escapes but even so like you just knew straight away um so yeah moving on to the uh the Rams, Derby County. Um, so this is the 2008. They got relegated with 11 points. Goal difference minus 69. Billy Davis. The, I've completely forgot about this guy until I did this. Did the notes of this podcast? Billy Davis was appointed manager in 2006, tasked with guiding Derby to the Premier League within three years. But arguably to Derby's long-term detriment, he didn't do it in three years. He did it in one year. They went straight up um, via the playoffs uh, in that first season under Billy Davis. Um, so in 2007, they got promoted. That was also a, a season when um, Sunderland uh, came back under Roy Keane, um, the season after 15 mm-hmm. points. Roy Keane. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, they beat West Brom 1-0 in the playoff final, finishing third in the league. Um, Billy Davis was asked, interestingly, after the uh, playoff final, he was praising the fans, praising the players, you know, how great it was for the club. And then he was asked... Um, what he thought about becoming a Premier League manager and he immediately just went quite, his face went pretty uh, sheepish and he just replied saying, let's just annoy, let's just enjoy tonight and just kind of darted off. Um, he said that with quite a creaky, nervous voice. Uh, and then years later in, in an interview with 442, he explained that actual scenario where he said, look, at the time I knew how the new owners were coming in um, and that his job was under threat and, and probably just knew that the team was not in a good way, didn't have the cash to spend. And so, like just knew he was in for like an uphill battle. Um, you know, they were the victims of their own overachievement really to a large extent. Uh, and that can happen though, when you've got playoffs involved, um, in theory, not having playoffs would have prevent this sort of thing to an extent. I mean, they came third. So if you did, <laughs> if you did do first, second, third, they would still open up, but, um, yeah, it's mad that a team could finish sixth and then go up really. It's, um, into a league that is dominated by massive teams and massive, massive clubs, even back then. Um, so, like Sullen prior to their 15-point season flop, um, Derby, Derby's transfer activity before the season was minimal um, and the calibre of the player they signed was pretty poor. Davies said he gave the board options for new signings and the board the board opted to sign the cheaper ones in every case. 
Robert Earnshaw coming from Norwich, Claude Davis coming from Sheffield United, Kenny Miller from Celtic, and Benny Fellhaber, uh, Fellhaber came in from Hamburg. Um, and the rest of the squad looked fairly similar to it was the previous season. Um, it's quite a while ago. Some of these players were kind of forgettable, but looking at the side that was in the playoff final, you've got Bywatering Net who, in goal that people will recognise. The rest of the side I just barely can recognise. Stephen Pearson who scored the goal, recognise him. Um, Pesky Salido, uh, people will remember his name. Um, but aside from that, there's just so many forgettable players that just never rose so much at all in the game uh, in the in the in the top flight. Uh, and so it was disastrous. By the end of September, they lost. Um, they had lost four 0 at Spurs, five 0 at Arsenal, and six 0 at Liverpool. All by the end of September. Oh, so competitive. They were competitive then. It's good to see. <laughs> yeah. And then lost. Yeah, it's good to see and that. Lost five 0 at home to West Ham. If you're losing five 0 at home to any side outside the top six, you cannot be. Uh, your job is not that tenable. Um, they actually then. Well, they actually drew. Um, 2-2 with Portsmouth in the first game week. Um, some points were on the board straight away. And they beat Newcastle in game week six, but then failed to win another game all season. Um, so oh, the, one, <laughs> the one win came after the sixth game week. Yeah, and that was it. Oh my God. <laughs> they, they also crashed out of the Cups so as well. Depressing. They crashed out of the Cups as well, so they didn't even, they didn't even win the Cup. Um, it's pretty bad. They were taken over by General Sports Entertainment um, in January of that, of that season. Um, and around that time, Davies said basically came out in the press and said, "Look, the squad's not good enough. Maybe trying to make a statement to the new owners." Um, and that he hadn't spoke to the the chairman in a few weeks of the new ownership. Uh, Twenty four hours later, he was sacked. <laughs> um, Paul Jewell took over two days later. Uh, Jewell failed to turn things around. He tried to bring in some some of the old old Premier League guard. Lauren Robert came in. Danny Mills, Robbie yeah, Savage, um, and Roy Carroll. All the old guys uh, in late March 2008. <laughs> in late March 2008, an old sex tape uh, from like six years ago, um, so from like 2002, of Jewel and his his then mistress found its way to a British tabloid newspaper. That is just, that is, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's, thing is, I liked Paul Jewel as well from his Bradford time and his, his time at Wigan as well, but. Yeah, you got to be doing better. Than that. That's 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 abysmal. Also, got a special mention as well. It's Danny Mills and Robbie Savage, two of the worst. But, mm. So I mentioned Jason Cundy before. So Jason Cundy, we're we'll doing in terms of football league. So Jason Cundy is like bottom of league two. So <laughs> he's flirting with like semi-professional ball. Danny Mills. Danny Mills is like how many? How many leagues are there? Fifteen leagues or something. I don't leagues. know. Danny, Danny Danny Mills is like the 13th of 14 professional leagues. He is bottom, bottom tier. He's like local pearly Panthers level <laughs> ball. Robbie Savage as well. I, when Danny Mills opens his mouth, like I just can't be asked to like listen to him. Absolutely abysmal. Robbie Savage as well. He's on the um, final score on BT. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not surprised. Got no time for both of them. Rory Carroll as well. He is an L-taker. When he was at Man United, yeah, the howlers he was dropping were, were quite mad, but I'm, I'm not surprised that they went down. But one went after game week six. Mm. So after game week six, you're probably thinking, yeah, it will be tough, but, you know, we'll, we'll try our best. That's as good as it mm. got. <laughs> <laughs> game week six, that is that is very, very mad. Uh, Robert Earnshaw, as well, special mention to him. Um, he had Football League legends. Um, I, I, I asked this earlier with the Sunderland wins. So how many were there? Three. How much is that one win mm. worth? I had a manager, right? He used to be a Bournemouth fan. Or used to be. He is a Bournemouth fan. And because of, uh, where do they play? Dean Court. 
it's really small or the Vitality Stadium, yeah. whatever it's called, because it's so small, it's very hard to get home tickets. So he only used to travel away to watch Bournemouth. Mm. And on average, it was costing him about roughly £650 per win. Because <laughs> obviously at the time, Bournemouth had just came yeah. up. And then the amount he was paying, I think he went to every away game that year. I mean, they oh, twice, so where he worked he out worked that win. Yeah, fair. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cost was £650. And he, yeah. Was it worth it? I think he said no. Mm. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure many other fans would agree. What I'd love to find out, um, and I did I did Google dual sex tips. If anyone has managed to um, hack into my PC and look at my his, history, that is why. Um, 2002, do you reckon that was a physical tip? Or it was just... Because what I'd love, what I'm just picturing now is like someone... You know, have you seen um, uh, Mike Bassett's England manager? Well, yeah, Phil Jupiter's the big the big guy who plays the um the the really annoying journalist who just keeps shouting at Dave, like giving him loads of stick. I can just picture him, Phil Jupiter, with this tape under his arm, walking into the fucking mirror, <laughs> and just like waving this about in front of all the journalists. So look what I've got, guys. Um, so yeah, there's just a it's just, how on earth if it is a physical tape, how on earth is that managed to get its way to the press? If it's not a physical tape, which at that time it very much couldn't, it might not have been. It might have been a file on a, on a PC. I don't know who's given, who's who. Someone's done him dirty there. Someone has done him very, very dirty. You got enemies, mate. When you got enemies, that's that's what happens. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. And poor old Paul Jordan caught in the crossfire. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> a miserable way to end the top three worst sides. It's been quite a miserable pod because all of these sides are absolutely rubbish. Um, yeah, they're terrible. To, to so it's one, it's one mm. of those. But um, yeah, kind of going to the final topic. Uh, yeah, are these flops uh, becoming more common? Do you think? Uh, the yeah. So the common theme, looking at that, that top seven is is potentially yes, because as I said, four out of the seven are in the last five years. If you extend to ten, that it does actually. I think it's still four and four out of ten, four or five out of ten. So again, that that would then mm. make it of less of a less of a trend. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm, it's it's quite difficult to say because um, some clubs like Sheffield United, you know, they suffer from second season syndrome. Um, the lack of quality kind of caught up. That kind of happened to Huddersfield a few years ago. It didn't happen to Derby and um, Sunderland. The theme there was more that they they promoted. You know, they put both all in, all those sides finished. Or Sunderland and Derby finished in the top top three, um, but just didn't have the cash to invest. This, the team wasn't really ready. I mean, at that time for Sunderland, I remember when Sunderland went up with Roy Keane, actually, which was after that flop. But we won the league with like 94 points or something like that. Um, and that season, did, Graham Kavanagh was playing centre midfield alongside Dwight York. Uh, <laughs> so it'd be the equivalent of like, I suppose, the equivalent of like, I don't know, Wayne Rooney or someone not as good um, in their career going mm-hmm. to the championship and playing centre mid for a team. So it wouldn't be like bizarre. It wouldn't be like the yeah, it wouldn't be so bizarre, but like it just I, the point is, is that I think the, the quality of the championship has actually got a lot better. Um, and so, in that sense, our clubs more prepared when they go up. Um, you know, they've already got a level of a level of quality that is allowing them to at least compete against some of these sides. Where before, like in Derby's case, they were just a complete mismatch, um, like a complete, complete mis- mismatch. Um, I mean, context needs to be applied in terms of how the clubs get there in the first place. Um, when we're looking at what, like, you know, is it becoming common or not? Um, you know, both Huddersfield and Derby were promoted by the playoffs, so 
you know, feasibly a team can finish like sixth, for example, and go up. So that is, um, that that is another factor in there. Derby overachieved and promoted, which which can happen. Coventry City are currently in the playoffs now, um, and they've got a good side. I mean, they've under Mark Robbins have risen from League Two, um, and now they're they're in the playoff spots in in the Championship. Um, but if they go up, they have not got any resources. They've only really just got back to the Rico Arena. They're not going to be able to compete, and it can be detrimental. You know, Robins might end up leaving if they go up and end up getting smacked up. So it's just in the long term for them clubs, it's actually detrimental. Um, I think it's 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 more likely basically at a given point in time uh, where the quality gap is a lot is a lot bigger, and you know, in certain points in history, that might have been it might have been more stark that gap. Um, Arguably, the quality of the championship is better now, um, but it's always going to be relative to the league above it. Um, the bar seems a, a lot higher um, to, to basically win the championship, and so that maybe they are more prepared. The counter is that teams at the top of the Premier League are continuously getting so much better than the rest. So you'd think that would create a growing trend of more flops because it's just less games for these teams to be able to win. Like if you're Norwich, the amount of the chance of you getting a scrape against. Um, against like a Man United or a Chelsea is, is just harder now. So that's less points that are available. So if you look at the points, if you're looking at the points that Norwich could feasibly win at the start of the season, of course they might scrape. A, I know last time they were in the league, they beat City quite convincingly. But if they look at the teams that they think, okay, we can conceivably, conceivably beat, that's probably shrunk from them 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And so it just makes the, the challenge so much harder. And then some of those sides um, outside the top six are even better. So you could argue that um, it should create more of a trend, but actually looking at you know the history of the top ten, I don't think it is a growing trend, perhaps. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it's one of those where like you, there's more money in the game, and it comes from the top down. So the more money the big boys get, the harder it is to stay in the league. Which also then means that there's teams like yo-yo and then in the championship you have a, a group of teams that are better than the rest as well and there's a divide there because they're constantly getting promoted and relegated like West Brom and Norwich are two prime examples that always seem to and Watford mm. always seem to go up come back down go up come back down but their squads are too good for the championship but then in the Premier League it struggles I think you are right that who, where do you pick up your points from I think there is the the template of a Brighton where you have to have a long-term plan and a very good manager in Graham Potter to navigate those early years to then try and build your way up the league. Because mm. then even when you do, like you kind of get caught in what Newcastle have been doing really because they've lacked ambition where you just, you survive, but you're not really doing anything. You could even argue potentially that was a fault of Sunderland's. Uh, you get promoted and you, you have aspirations to aim really, really high in the league and stuff, but it doesn't really come to the fore and you're just drifting that mm. that 13th is the spot where like you're, you're often quite far from relegation but you're, you're not you're in no man's land yeah you're not really near european places you're you've got premier league survival which guarantees the money but what what is it that you're actually trying to do because it's very difficult we, we, I'm, I'm kind of flipping a point not about where you get your points from but like what is it that you're doing in the league yeah because you know if you're if your aim is just to sit there and survive then i think you'll get relegated you have to aspire to say okay you know Europa Conference ball is our ultimate aim and that should be what we kind of work towards. I think 
We'll definitely see more flops um, over the years come through. I don't know if anyone's beating that 11. <laughs> that 11 points is is mad. I, I don't know about that. I think what we are seeing is these, these sides are coming up and some of them are coming in with very low points, but the quality is improving. You know, you compare those sides of 2007, 2008 to the teams getting very few points now, that the quality has risen a lot, but obviously they're still um, not delivering the goods. Um, Norwich this year look like they want to give people a run for their money with the way they've been playing. We'll have to wait and see if uh, Dean Smith can work his magic. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, also as a final point, like as these big clubs get really, really massive and they just have more and more players that can be loaned out domestically, that does have an effect on um, the quality of the lower, like basically the second half of the Premier League and the Championship in particular. So I, th- I do think the Championship's got better, A, because the money's trickled down in a sense. So to the Championship anyway, you have things like parachute payments, which kind of guarantee that. And so that league has become, some of the, you're given like eight figure sums getting transacted in the championship like it's crazy even as far back as like Ross McCormack <laughs> when he went I think to Villa mm. like such huge fees getting transacted and so players are coming in from the from um, parts of the continent might be more difficult now with uh, the Brexit point system um, but now you're just seeing now and I think it's because it's got better now you're seeing teams in the Premier League actually valuing the championship a lot more for their lone players to go to so Conor Gallagher was at Swansea before obviously Mason Mount was at Derby Tomori was at Derby as well um, with him from Chelsea um, we've seen a lot of loan players go there, um, and we've also seen loan players go at the bottom of the of the Premier League as well. I mean, obviously Conor Gallagher is now at Crystal Palace. Um, you know, Billy Gilmore is at uh, Norwich City. Um, so, is that meaning that there's more availability for these teams going up to get these sort of players that makes them a better outfit when they come up? Um, but then, as we saw, I mean, Sheffield United did have one of those seasons where quite a while before they were looking bad. I mean, they got relegated after 20, 32 games, so. You know, that depends on the, how the other teams are doing as well, but 32 games, man. And they pretty much were down. We knew they were down for a while. It was like 25 games in, you're pretty much relegated. 13 games left. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so we're playing for this week. I uh, hope, hope, hope not to lose 4-0. Um, it's one of those, like, it, it, yeah, it's... We should have really done the episode on, on, like, speaking to fans from these times, if they're still alive, because I think a lot of them would have perished after... After this <laughs> your dad's still here though to be yeah. fair and he's he's lived through two of them so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, should have got Colin on <laughs> um but yeah no it's it, it is it is yeah because it's the dream to, it's the dream to get to the Premier League and again a lot of fans want that and it, it is quite sad we laugh right now but I can imagine being a, ch- a fan of a championship club I wouldn't say Sunderland is a good example because Sunderland are a big team I think if you're like a Huddersfield whereby you know that this could be it. Mm. You know, genuinely, I would say for a Huddersfield Town team, I don't believe they've been in the top flight for a very long time. You would think, you know, we may not be back for a very long period of time. Mm. That would mean to me, if I then went through a season which was terrible, first straight off the bat or after two years, that would be very, you know, quite sobering. Whereas Sunderland, Derby, to a degree... You know, you can kind of ride that off Villa, especially Villa European champions, uh, European champions formerly. So you you would expect those teams to eventually come back. I know Leeds are in the wilderness for absolutely mm. years, but they did eventually make it back. But yeah, you get those sides: Huddersfield, Blackpool, Bradford. Uh, those sides that kind of come to the Prem, and when they go, you know they're not really going to come back, um, or not for a very long time at mm. least. And I guess that's the fear um, when you're watching your side get pumped for in every weekend. <laughs> very true. Well, I think that's um, all from us this week. Please remember to like, comment and subscribe. Uh, that's not what we normally say on the outro, but that's what I'm going to say this week. <laughs> and uh, we will we will see you soon.
uh, there's a big episode coming up which will be revealed sometime shortly on all digital platforms <laughs> thank stuff. you for doing the episode Dryden no and uh, yeah we will see you all soon keep your eyes peeled <laughs> cheers guys keep your eyes peeled cheers